Chapter 17 of The Campfire Girls at Sunrise Hill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry, Johnson City, Tennessee. The Campfire Girls at Sunrise Hill by Margaret Vanderhoek. The Suspicion. Miss McMurtry and Betty had been alone together in one of the tents for the past hour. Not that this was in any way remarkable, or at first excited any suspicion, for the young woman and the girl had become good friends in the past weeks, often consulting with one another concerning questions of camp life. Indeed, Betty had been chiefly responsible for bestowing on their guardian her pretty new title, although the name had really developed from the suggestion first made by Molly O'Neill, and later turned into a jest by her sister. Our Lady of the Hill was now Miss McMurtry's title as guardian of the Sunrise Camp, but because the expression was too long, a one for ordinary conversation donna the soft italian word for lady was more often substituted i don't think i can be mistaken donna betty now returned seriously her face flushed and her gray eyes unusually grave i don't want you to think i would make trouble in camp for all the world as it is all probably my fault. But Esther was with me and has the same impression I have. She thought I ought to speak to you as a kind of warning to the other girls. I wish you would let me call Esther. Miss McMurtry agreed, frowning uncomfortably and resting her head on one hand. Since outdoor life gives one whatever help is needed she has grown far less thin with her months of fresh air her figure was less angular her expression less learned and her whole manner more like a girl's than an old maid's possibly the gracious dignity of her new title was worth living up to I must not be in too much of a hurry, or too severe, she afterwards murmured to herself. But from the first I have been dreadfully afraid of something like this. Esther was discovered sitting with the other girls in a group surrounding Polly, who had been reading aloud an old folk tale while the others worked at their various handcrafts. Betty apologized for the interruption in leaning over to whisper to Esther, but half-guessed at Polly's irritation as they hurried off together. However, if it could be prevented, Polly was to hear of their trouble last of all. And Polly, although not acknowledging it, was annoyed, for lately Betty and Esther had seemed more intimate 
than she could ever have dreamed they might be. Not that Betty appeared to feel any affection for the older girl, but having heard through her of her father's illness, they had been drawn together by Esther's constant sympathy and devotion, and although Mr. Ashton was now better, Betty had not yet forgotten. Of course Polly was not jealous. That would be too small-minded and absurd. Only it was curious for her dearest friend to be sharing her secrets with other persons than herself. Inside the tent with their guardian, Esther was being more explicit in her explanation than Betty had been. "'You see,' she said, "'I understand better about temptations of that kind than Betty, because I have been brought up so differently, so when the letter came I begged her to be particularly careful, and we hid it together in a small lockbox in our tent.' The strange thing is that the letter is still there, and the outside envelope. But the envelope in which the package was enclosed I found crumbled up near Nan's cot when I was cleaning this morning. Miss McMurtry shook her head more cheerfully. That isn't enough evidence, children, to use against any human being. And just because this poor Nan has one story against her, don't you think we ought to be especially careful about adding another? Instead of replying at once, Betty looked more miserable instead of less, and then biting her lips for an instant answered steadily, Yes, you are quite right. Donna and we won't say another word about the loss. I am sorry, and I confess a little disappointed, for Father wished us to have a party in his honor of his being better, but the party couldn't make us nearly as happy as his story would make us unhappy once we allowed it to be told. Miss McMurtry caught Betty's hand and kissed it unexpectedly. Betty was spoiled, accepting love and good fortune too much as a matter of course, but when it came to a question either of generosity or good breeding, Betty Ashton could always be counted upon. However, Esther Clark was not so persuaded. I am afraid Betty may be angry with me, and that you will be more uncomfortable, Miss McMurtry, she added after a moment's hesitation. But this is not all the evidence we have. You see, Molly told us yesterday that just the next day, after we girls made our trip to town and returned with the mail, she came across Nan in our tent with Betty's bunch of keys in her hand. It is true that Betty had left her keys out on the table, but I don't see what Nan could have wanted with them. She told Molly that she wanted to peep in my trunk to look at a dress I have because she wanted some day to make herself one like it, 
and did not know just how. Betty interposed, using no effort to hide the tears that had been gathering in her gray eyes and were now coursing down her cheeks. Oh, dear me, I do wish I had not brought the wretched money into camp, for I promised Polly I would not put temptation in Nan's way, and she will be dreadfully cross with me if she hears. I don't think you should blame yourself, dear, Miss McMurtry interrupted, drawing Betty closer to her and looking almost ready to cry herself, as they both turned toward Esther for advice. For somehow Esther might have a shy and awkward personality and not seem of much importance when things were going happily, yet in sorrow or difficulty, insensibly, her gravity and unselfishness counted. Don't you think we had better send for Nan and let her offer us some explanation? Esther unhesitantly suggested, perhaps she will be able to make everything clear. Miss McMurtry and Betty were both silent, and Betty moved quietly toward the opening of the tent. You really will have to let me go away, she pleaded, for I can't stand up and accuse one of my own campfire girls of having. Her sentence remained unfinished, but Miss McMurtry was able to catch hold of her skirt. You can't leave us in the lurch, Betty. Child, though I do understand your feelings, you must stand by to help Esther and me out. Certainly we shall not accuse poor Nan of anything. Merely ask her a question. Esther, will you find her for us? Betty smiled tearfully as Esther went away on the errand, wondering if this time Miss Martha feared to trust her. Ten minutes passed, and then fifteen, and yet neither Esther nor Nan appeared. Finally, however, Esther returned, looking unusually angry and crestfallen. Nan says she won't come until Polly has finished the story she is reading, and that probably may take another half hour, she reported. I told her that you had wished her particularly, Miss McMurtry, and waited as long as I could, but she showed no sign of obeying. That isn't true, or at least it's only half true. Which is as bad? A voice declared at this instant at Esther's elbow, and Nan Graham pushed her way saucily into the tent. Rather pleased at making serious, Esther flushed with displeasure. But at the sight of Betty, whom she always admired, and their guardian, whom she a little feared, her expression became less bold, and indeed before anyone spoke, the girl's face had a strange look of guilt. Why else should she toss her head in bridle so unnecessarily? 
why stare into miss mcmurtry's eyes with her own heart in defiance even while her lips trembled with nervousness i haven't done anything what do you want with me she asked quickly no nan we only want to ask you a question miss mcmurtry answered speaking as gently as she knew how would you mind telling us what you were doing with betty ashton's keys the other afternoon and how you happened to get hold of them i didn't have her keys that's a lie nan returned fiercely taken off her god and using a word she had always been accustomed to hear in her home to save the situation betty came quickly forward please don't say that nan she begged for molly has already told us you merely wanted to look at my blue dress and that was quite all right but if you deny it why why what nan demanded sullenly her black eyes on the ground and her face which had turned a healthier color with her weeks in the woods now white and drawn why we might not believe you when asking a more important question miss mcmurtry said sternly angered in the spite of herself by the girl's disagreeable manner how many times have i told you that when people are untruthful about little things one does not believe them in large the fact is that betty had lost a large sum of money and and you believe i stole it nan burst into such a violent storm of weeping at this suggestion that betty for the first time in their acquaintance actually put her arm about her no we don't believe you took it just because it vanished she whispered comfortingly casting appealing glances at her guardian and esther only we want to ask you to try to help us find out about it i wouldn't be in the least surprised if it should turn up again neither miss mcmurtry or esther spoke but nan was not to be so appeased i am sure you are very kind to give me this opportunity to put your old money back she answered bitterly but as i did not take it i should not find that pretty difficult i didn't even know you had any money although i confess i did look into your trunk when perhaps i ought to have asked permission and i did take out an old blouse but i was sorry the next minute and put it back again but i expect i might as well have kept it in anything else i could lay my hands on it is the old story if a girl does a wrong thing once no one can ever believe in her when she tries to be straight again i suppose you will be telling your suspicion to polly o'neill and the other girls so they won't let me stay any longer in camp i don't care i am innocent nan's voice rose to a shrilling cry of protest but in spite of this there was a note of sincerity in it that 
almost convinced Betty, although unfortunately the effect was not the same upon Miss McMurtry and Esther. No one shall say anything against you, Nan, nor spread this story in any possible way until more is found out. Miss McMurtry now remarked, briefly dismissing them. End of chapter 17